Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ClusterCast, a filterless podcast on family travel. I am your co-host, Scott Lyons. And I'm Anna Lyons. Well, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> we are all here. Yep. We ain't going anywhere. <laughs> when we set out our last episode out into the void, we really didn't know what kind of reaction we would get, did we? No, we didn't. We knew that a lot of lives had been disrupted in the wake of Voldemort 19 and that whole crisis. Mm -hmm. And there were those of us who were suddenly working and educating from home. And let's be honest, we're the lucky ones, right? If you can work from home, you haven't lost your job and you have reliable internet connection and you can educate your kids, right? We are very, very lucky. We don't want to discount that. Um, But we also know that... Yeah, this uh, sudden change of lifestyle is very disruptive. Mm-hmm. Even if you are a lucky one who still has a job and your kids can be easily educated from home, you know. So it's true. We really weren't sure what to do after that episode. I mean, obviously, we pivoted um, from our normal subject matter, and I I feel like we would be remiss to not acknowledge the fact that the response was so positive and so overwhelming from our listeners. So thank you for those of you who shared and downloaded. We are very honored. And we are really glad that we took that time to pivot as reluctant as we were to, you know, kind of change to something that thematic. But um, I think to us, to help a few people feel less alone. Since our regular everyday life is pretty much... Everyone else's quarantine nightmare now, right? Apparently, so. apparently. So hopefully we could, we hopefully we're able to help you feel less alone, help you feel a little bit more like, hey, people do this every day. It can be managed. I'm not going to say it can be good. It can be great or wonderful. It can be manageable. So um, <clears throat> anyway, going forward, we wanted to talk about travel and our adventures and our misadventures, right? Because that's the whole point of this podcast. Um, but obviously seems like people still have feelings about this and we want to be sensitive to that. So absolutely. Because while this whole live and work from home hasn't changed our lives technically, uh, you know, the just overall vibe we get when we go to grocery stores or shopping or for a walk definitely says it isn't another day, another check, another Slack channel, like we said before. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in in trying to prepare for this episode, we aren't really sure what to do. We threw around a couple of ideas about what we wanted it to be. And I I feel like we just we saw the need that we need to talk about what's currently going on. We also know that this topic of Voldemort 19. We're not going to call it by its name. Yeah. No. Voldemort 19. Um, It wasn't going to be relevant in five years. You know, and we want our believe pod- it or not, it's, <laughs> it's not going to be relevant. If you look at the history, years. history tells us, yeah. yeah. Anyways, and we want our podcast to be real and relevant in five years so that anyone listens to it then could still have a value from it, right? So we don't want to spend a lot of time talking about just current events, timeless. We want this to be timeless. Right. So we, we did one episode that was obviously very specific, and then kind of everything else we wanted. To be a bit more, yeah, timeless. So, um, and then I feel like, especially at this point, you and I, as much as we want to do something on this topic of Voldemort 19, we need 
to stay in our lane. I mean, we're not infectious disease physicians or microbiologists, so we really have nothing to add beyond our opinions of what we read on the World Health Organization's daily situation report. Right. More like your opinion (laughs) on the WHO's daily situation report, right? And I shout the statistics back to you. (laughs) Dodge them. (laughs) Either way, we need to stay in our lane. And, you know, we want to stay relevant to the issues today as well as the issues five years from now. And wanted a topic that would kind of check all those boxes. So we feel like we have said everything we could say or that we feel qualified to say with our last episode. And again, that was a monster. That was what an hour long. Yeah. And so we did our COVID-19 work from home, educate from home primer. And we really felt like we had done everything. We had said everything we could say. And, you know, when we first started this podcast, before we even started recording, actually, we sat down and came up with our first was a hundred episodes? I think so. Yeah. All relating to travel, adventures, misadventures, stories, <laughs> Lots of misadventures. advice. Yeah. <laughs> and there was one standout that we thought would actually work for our present situation as well as future situations. Yes. So believe it or not, this episode is actually something that we had planned to do in the fall just for some future plans we had and just some stuff we were kind of waiting to come to light before we talked about it but given our current situation with the entire world being on lockdown and everyone's lives being disrupted we decided to push this episode forward to now right I I think we mentioned it in an early episode one of our credit card miles or or our lounge episode where we said early ones the last few years have just been quote-unquote stupid for us yes I believe you used that exact word it's been stupid so we've just to bring up to speed, I, d- I mentioned this on the blog a couple times, but whatever. So I'll just go ahead and say it here. We've had a lot of moving and disruption over the last four years, and we are going to do an episode on moving and disruption. This was always something we had planned to do because when we embarked on this journey to move our family across the country, we genuinely, like truly thought that our travel skills would transfer. Yeah. As exactly. moving skills and that we could get through it seamlessly. Yeah, just that is what we thought. Kind of like just one big fun adventure. Yeah. Like always, oh, you know, mm-hmm. for us and the kids. Yeah. That's lots of, a lot of logistics going on, a lot of planning. Which was not something that was unusual for us. Like we manage this stuff all the time. So spoiler alert, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> We have spent, surprise, 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 surprise. <laughs> skills didn't transfer. So we have spent the last four years trying to get a grip on our lives since we made that disruption. Right. So a little bit of history here. We first started out our, our early parenthood lives in a nice little suburb of Phoenix, Arizona, where, you know, we were in the foothills and spent our days having, you know, wood fired pizza by the fountain at our local fancy grocery store and wearing flip-flops year-round. Yeah, changing from your winter flip-flops to your summer flip-flops. And the only time we weren't wearing sandals was when we went to Europe during the late winter, which was when rain was a special right. treat. It was a welcome. Yeah, I mean, that was a different climate than we were used to. So oh, those were the days. Yeah, life was was really easy and straightforward. Um, I mean, we had 
hiccups and drama, but we always had this constant, you know, of our home, our city and general ease of living. Which we did take for granted. But as, as great as it was, as great as it was, we decided that while we loved resort living, the vibe of Phoenix, we were kind of over it in terms of the 115 degree summers and yep. our air conditioning breaking during yep. said 115 degree summers. It was just not awesome, especially with two little kids. Like, ugh. Yeah, that was miserable. Um, and I'm not going to get into it. <sighs> Don't but get into it. Resist. Resist. Stay miserable resist is, is good. Yeah. So... Moving on, we decided to to venture out, you know, into the great big wide world of normal climates, you know, things that aren't 115 or record 118 degree heat. Right, where things aren't trying to kill you, like the scorpions and the oh, rattlesnakes and the heat. So up in, you know, as we were making this plan, so we knew we wanted a change. We knew we didn't want to live in Phoenix forever. Um, I will say that we did everything right. I mean, we're going to get into a lot of stuff that went wrong. And, and I just want to say that we planned this. I mean, this was all things that we had done by the book. It was right. Like your career was cruising along beautifully. Our house had gained value after the great recession of 2008. <laughs> uh, Second dust bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> kind of was. <laughs> all the haboobs moving through Phoenix kind of was that way. So the kids were preschoolers and out of the baby years. So we were finally feeling like we were ready for the next chapter. We we were ready, you know, and all due respects, all, I mean, all respects, I should say, we were responsible. We had mm-hmm. money saved, plans were made, and, and the whole thing fell flat on its face. Flat on its face. <laughs> just no warning. Just there it went. <laughs> we spent the last four years was truly trying to figure out what went wrong and why our best laid plans that seemed airtight, by the way, totally airtight, just completely fell apart. Yep. Just fell apart. And, and we've spent forever trying to figure it out. Well, there are a few answers that at least explain our feelings. Yes. But, uh, we'll probably never know the full extent as to why things didn't work out the way we had planned. Yeah, that's true. So, one of the biggest sets of emotions that we have dealt with over the last four years has been grief and disruption. Yeah, and and since since we collectively as a society are going through a lot of grief and disruption, we decided that talking about our experiences with those two things would be beneficial. Mm-hmm. So, because grief and disruption happens all the time. It does happen all the time, more, more often than you would think. So really recently, the Harvard Business Review published an article talking about how a lot of the collective feelings we as a society are experiencing now in the wake of Voldemort 19 and all of the worldwide lockdowns is grief. We, we've lost a sense of stability and normalcy, and that is something to grieve. For a long time, I've, uh, I always equated grief with the death of a loved one. Uh, loss was the loss of a person. You know, that's essentially it. Yeah, me too. Me too. But I think it took us living and going through some serious losses that weren't human Mm -hmm. to realize that grief comes in many forms. Just like sadness comes in many forms. Like, it's not always going to be the same things that trigger that emotion. So that is this week's episode. 
so fun <laughs> so happy <laughs> joyful like, episode this is gonna be nerdy but that reference from back to the future where marty mcfly says oh that's heavy this is a heavy episode. This is a heavy episode. <laughs> that is, that is, that's not dorky. And then Doc makes light of it and says, what does the Earth's gravitational pull have to do with anything? Anyways, oh, that's a whole wow. other thing. You see, you could have just, if you just let it go, you would have been cool. And then you just have to take it. Just that step further. Oh, it's so. supposed to be funny. Anyways, right. this, to try and make this a little lighter of a heavy episode. True. This is how we cope with grief and loss as it relates to our everyday lives being changed by, you know, outside forces. See? out of our control there it is and how we felt like travel had prepared us to weather these storms and in fact it really didn't so because spoiler alert you can roll with the punches a lot easier when you're eating day-old croissant waiting for a missed flight to hawaii because it's hawaii you know the this is a fun adventure frame of mind just straight up doesn't translate here yeah sorry it doesn't we tried but now we're here to tell you it doesn't translate. So save yourself the disappointment and don't think it'll work. One of the biggest lessons we learned through that whole Our Lives Blew Up Four Years Ago experience is that not grieving delays closure and healing and that you need to be honest about how you are feeling. Yeah, don't fight it. Fighting those emotions or pretending that they aren't there is basically like picking the scab. Like it just won't heal. Like it's like picking a scab in reverse basically. <laughs> to leave it alone so it'll heal but not when it comes to feelings you have to deal with them right so so to you, you gotta cathart <laughs> <laughs> you gotta just cathart all over the place and you know if you want to get through that situation of disruption and loss that's what you do you cathart it's true you do cathart and for those of you who don't know what the term cathart is go watch episode 15 of season two of brooklyn 99 because way back yeah <laughs> it's worth it but it is a totally not real term for the very real process of catharsis and emotional release right turn it into a funny sounding verb <laughs> you catharted all over that <laughs> catharting is the key here right. as is humor right yes so grief is really vague um work that encompasses all kinds of situations and emotions yeah so grief is defined as acute pain or deep sorrow that comes with loss. And that could be loss of person, normalcy, familiarity, relationships, anything really knocks, anything that knocks the wind out of you, you know, emotionally. And of course, we all know the stages of grief, right? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, anger, denial, sadness. Bargaining and acceptance. That That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, and those don't come in any particular order, right? They just cycle around at random. Yes. Different people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's so, order to them. So being aware of where those feelings come from really helps. Totally. And that just adds to the frustration to not know where these emotions are coming from. Like, why am I feeling this way? Especially if you equate grief with only the death of a loved one, to feel this way about something like a disruption or a loss of normalcy would probably create a lot of confusion if this isn't something you're aware of. And we're speaking from personal experience Yeah, here. exactly. Recognize, yeah. Recognizing your grief is almost a phase in and of itself. Actually, some therapists say that there is a sixth stage, but it isn't recognizing it, though. Gotcha. I guess that is a part of admitting you have a problem in the first is the first step kind of thing, right? Probably. I don't know. I'm not a therapist, but <laughs> easy now. <laughs> easy now. <laughs> We're going to stay in our lane. 
But some very smart therapists are saying that the sixth stage of grief is either finding meaning or anxiety. Right. Wouldn't uh, finding meaning go into the acceptance bucket, maybe? I feel like it would. I, I feel like it that goes in the acceptance. That's part of the acceptance process. And I find myself more in the anxiety camp. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that is the sixth stage. Um, and if anyone is curious, David Kessler says finding meaning and Clara Bidwell-Smith says anxiety. So, Whatever the case. case that matters to you. <laughs> Uh, it, it is really a complicated human emotion that can be really hard to identify and frustrating to go through because sometimes it takes longer than other times. It does. But I still maintain that naming your feelings that you're expecting really helps because just like our last season of life, we didn't really know what we were going through. And I feel like that led to a very protracted recovery for right. us. Maybe we should actually share what went on during that time. Yeah. Just to give our listeners some idea. You know, we keep talking about it like it's this ominous thing. <laughs> yeah. The season. They can't see what we're looking at and we're not looking at anything anyways. The season. <laughs> so, um, so I, I guess we just want to say that we understand how yucky disruptions can be. Yeah. Um, especially when they're outside of con- your control. So, yeah. Tell them. Let's lay it out there. Okay. Let's tell them. So as we said earlier, our life with two little kids was... You know, humming along, except sometimes our air conditioner didn't. (laughs) So we decided to make a break for it. The Pacific Northwest had been on our radar for years. Like before we even had the kids, we wanted to live up there. I loved the idea of coffee shops and berry picking and like the grunge music from the 90s and the nautical culture of the (laughs) Seattle area. Nautical culture? What else would you call it? (laughs) Nautical culture. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So <laughs> anyway, um, at this point, so about four years ago, the kids were old enough that we weren't in baby jail anymore. Mm-hmm. And a cross country move seemed plausible, like right. more plausible than it had seemed over, you know, within the last six years. So. Right. So we decided to test the waters of working away from the office that I was more or less assigned to. Even though I had been working from home for years, I'd always been 15 minutes away um, from the, the Phoenix office if I needed to, to quote unquote, be around for whatever reason. Um, You know, you've got to remember this working from home deal was kind of a new idea five years ago. Yeah, it really was. Not a ton of people were doing it. So rather than commit to something like Seattle, not knowing whether or not it would work out in the long term with Scott's then company. Should we say X company? Can we say that? Yeah, you can say that, sure. Your X company. We decided to test the waters in this little town of northern Arizona. Are we... We're not going to say its name. Well, I'm about to rip on some of the people there, so (laughs) maybe we should keep it anonymous. (laughs) I'm sure our listeners could figure it out. I'm sure they could. It's home to a university in the northern part of Arizona. (laughs) Get it that way. Anyways. It was a a smallish town about two hours north of Phoenix, and the weather was much nicer. Mm -hmm. And we had longtime friends up there as well as family. Exactly. So it made sense. By all accounts, it was a sensible move, mm-hmm. you know, very low risk. We sold our house in record time, made a nice little profit off of it, and we said goodbye to our home for the last seven years and turned our air conditioner off for the last time. Goodbye. Our plan was to rent for a bit, again, being very cautious to not commit to something that had the potential to not work out um, and see how it all went before we made our way to Washington. Mm-hmm. So. We always had... Moving back to Phoenix in the back, you know, in our back pocket. 
Yeah. So we rent this house in northern Arizona and pretty immediately we figured out that our landlord was absolutely insane. Yeah, exactly. She and was it, crazy. It wasn't like you had some sensible owner there to temper the madness. No. Oh, no, 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 no. The no, owner no. was even more crazy than the landlord. They just fed off of each other. They were like spying on us with the neighbors. I mean, I straight up remember the landlord told me in very careful words that the neighbors talk to the owners in a sort of like watch your back kind of way. Yeah. Ugh. And, and this place was nothing special, by the way. It was, oh. you know, that good old blue company special with hideous pumpkin colored walls and exorbitant rent. Yeah, for those of you who know Arrested Development and <laughs> and an exorbitant deposit, which oh, yeah. which we happily paid because, again, we were really excited for this new chapter. We knew it would be temporary. And I think we genuinely were thinking maybe this will all mellow out with time. The owners and the landlord will see that we're nice and we're normal and we pay on time and we're not slobs and then they will love us. Yeah. Oh, how young and innocent we were. Oh, so sweet. And those people were so awful. Awful, awful, awful. They would have, quote unquote, inspections of the house to make sure we were vacuuming enough. And these would be kind of out of the blue. Yeah. For their like junky builder's carpet. Like, oh, you got to keep it all fluffy. And you might think we're joking. We're not joking. These people were nuts. And obviously, as such, we did not feel comfortable living in that place. It did. I mean, you were always looking over your shoulder because here you're being told the neighbors are watching you. And like you had all these like random inspections to make sure, you know, you were vacuuming like, oh, it was horrible. So imagine doing that with two little kids. Uh Uh-uh. It was a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. And we, we kept telling ourselves, we only signed a nine-month lease. It's fine. We can get through this for nine months. Yes, yes. And we could have, I think, if it was only for nine months. But it didn't really go that way because I had a gross ski accident and needed knee surgery, which I mistakenly had in that tiny little town with the world's most arrogant surgeon. <laughs> Note to self, if the surgeon is arrogant and lives in a tiny mountain town... It's best to scoot on south to the nice big city with non-arrogant fish in a big pond. In a big pond. Non-arrogant fish. That's yeah. So our crazy landlord apparently felt like we had vacuumed enough and offered to extend our lease. Because at this point, my knee was going in every direction except straight. And I had a two-year-old, a five-year-old, a spouse who was stressed out with some massive work projects. So we opted to extend the lease. Exactly. Probably wasn't a great idea. I think we could go back in time. Not taking crazy landlady up on the lease extension would have been the best move. Just go back to Phoenix, get the surgery down there, and recover. Yeah. It would have saved us so much trouble. So much trouble. So much. But again, at this point, we were like, this is a hiccup. Like, are we quitters if we retreat? I mean, that's truly what was going through our minds. We had come so far to achieving this goal of living outside of Phoenix, and it was so disheartening to give up. And at that point, it just felt like giving up. We kept hoping that if we just kept going, the reward would be there. Yes. Things would level off and smooth sailing would be right around the corner. Yes. And I feel like with good reason. I mean, we weren't making reckless decisions. Your job was going great. Yep. You had been through several promotions. Our house had made us money. The kids were at good ages. I mean, on paper, things were supposed to work out. Right. Or 
you know, so we thought. So we thought, yeah. Obviously, arrogant surgeon hung you out to dry in terms of recovery and just left you to fend for yourself when your recovery stalled. Yeah, that was a big blow. Yeah. I mean, the terrible landlord was one thing, but losing a certain level of your physical ability with recovery was just, with just recovery just out of reach, like just barely out of reach. Like it was just horrible. And that was a grief right there. That was a loss. It was a lot of loss right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, dancing, hiking, skiing, swimming, going for a walk, chasing a kid that might run out into the parking lot, climbing a flight of stairs suddenly was gone. I mean, all of those physical activities were no longer an option for me. And what was worse was that there were people out there who had had the same surgery as me and recovered just fine. Right. You told me if um, you felt like the stigma was that you were somehow lazy and just didn't do enough (sighs) physical therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That just rubbed salt in the wound, too. As if, like, I somehow chose to, like, limp around and wake up in the middle of the night in searing pain. Like... I, I still don't get that. Like, I still don't get that assumption that people made. Do you feel like, though, do you feel like we grieved moving north? I think we missed the eve, ease of living in Phoenix. Yeah. Like the big city, the good restaurants, just the resort vibe. Yeah. I missed that. But I don't think we grieved it per se. We knew that by moving to a small mountain town, we would be foregoing some of those comforts, mm-hmm. but it was worth it to be close to friends and family. And and it was. And I mean, I am still glad, like to this day, that we were able to deepen the relationships with our established friends. I mean, any of the new friends we tried to make just resulted in being ghosted by hipsters. They don't yeah, count. That wasn't awesome. Count. Yeah. We were stood up quite a few times. Quite a few times. (laughs) Quite a few times. So it just sucks. And yes, it does hurt your self-esteem. And I feel like we were already in an insecure place with the mean landlord and then the failed surgery. And then having these hipsters just bail on you for no reason other than self-care. Right. Yeah. But they had no problem posting about it, you know, about the other fun they had in lieu of you. Yeah. Right. So they knew they ditched you, but somehow they... Yeah, no, we were we were like D-list friends. So apparently you didn't help them self-care. Apparently not. (laughs) Apparently not. Message received. I am sorry I annoyed you with my like willingness to schedule a wine a wine date. Like I'm sorry. That it must have been a huge burden for you. So sorry. Right. Uh, How hard would it be to just let the relationship fade away? Let it fade away. It's fine. And, and that is so much of the whole experience is that everything just sat on the edge of the fracture point. It was never enough to tip a decision one way or the other, which is definitely what these ghosting hipsters are after. The pride of a relationship without the responsibility that came with it. But everything just, it just sat there, just beneath the tipping point, which just left us in a position. Yeah, in a position we never thought we would be in because we were... You know, we're nice and nice. we have good liquor, Great liquor and our amazing company we are charming. Maybe in the other other way around, you know, <laughs> but it just never added up why things were so weird. So after about a year and some months, we saw a very, 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 very narrow, narrow window of opportunity to head to the Seattle area. Right. And since things were just below the tipping point and we didn't want to be quitters, we went for it. Yay. Long-term goal accomplished, right? Right, right, right? Technically, yes. In reality, 
No. No. It it was awful. Oh, yeah. It was awful. We we moved up there right at the same time as the whole Amazon bubble began to form over the Seattle area. So we were suddenly faced with this crazy high housing market and traffic that was just unbelievable. If anyone is wondering, Seattle recently surpassed Los Angeles in cost of living. So yeah, it's bad. Yep. Yep. And not something we could have anticipated. It was happening as we were house shopping. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like everyone's, oh, Seattle's up and coming. Either get out or get in while the getting's good. So, you know, it's not one of those things like we just didn't do our due diligence. Like we flew our whole family out to Seattle and then we met with a realtor before we moved. Almost a year before we moved. Yep. We, we told him our price range and we had an idea of what kind of home we could have. Right. And where. You yes. Know, yes. We were able to afford waterfront in 2016 mm-hmm. and in 2017 it just vanished almost overnight yes so we were living in an apartment while we were looking for a home and we literally had just picked a spot outside of the seattle area and who lucky for us that turned out to be the heroin hq of the pacific northwest right you even had a friend tell you to not let the kids play in a certain part of the yard mm-hmm. because they had found needles in there and i mistakenly thought she meant pine needles right, like a normal person came from a mountain town you know mountain pine trees pine needles yes those can hurt like if you like grab them weird i get that not hypodermic that was so bad <laughs> that was so bad i even remember once a guy was like only get your gas at costco because there's an attendant there and they have floodlights and i was just like where have we moved like what have we done yeah what have we done ultimately though we found a place and yes. it was okay None of this was what our dream was. It was all a big settle, yeah, a right? Big old settle, yeah. But again, what we what we were gonna do, you know, quit, be that person who tried to make a change, but was what too chicken to do so. Bok, bok, bok. I and and I guess it just comes down to this, which is kind of an unpopular thing to talk about, but we have to address it. This idea of go after your dreams should always have a happy ending is just a social media farce. It's not true. Sometimes going after your dreams is a terrible idea, even if you have the money, even if you have the lifestyle, even if you thought you had the travel skills that can mean you could easily just take a big leap across the country. I mean, even if you've thought it through and it all sounds good, sometimes it just falls flat. Right. No, this was not a extended trip to Europe. No. No. You know, this was big money, uh, you know, uh, spent on a house, turned into a money pit with Hypodermic needles laying around. Not our house, though. House didn't have that. Didn't have the needles laying around. Yeah, we we just house. need to clarify. I feel like we need to clarify. We didn't buy a house in the same place our apartment. No, was we in. moved. We moved out of that area. To be still, clear, still, it's still gross. <laughs> it's still bad. Anyway, the kids were disrupted, and by that I mean we're talking meltdowns and crying that were just so out of character for their age and just who they were as little people. And I felt like a huge failure that I couldn't give them the stability we had. It was all gone for no reason other than bad timing. And then just stuff started breaking around our house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the icing on the cake was that stuff with your job started to get weird. Yep, that's true. So all of these best laid plans were crumbling for like we just couldn't even explain why so there were several moments where I just wanted to go back to Phoenix that life that we had there seemed so far away but everything was so easy 
Well, this whole town is basically a giant resort. So that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And there was also some family drama going down and I couldn't get back to see my family because, well, traffic is horrible and the flights are expensive. And we were now spending a fair amount of our disposable income just trying to maintain some standard of living in the Seattle area. Right. It was rough. It, it was, was definitely really rough. rough. Yeah. And we just kept telling ourselves, maybe it will get better. Maybe it will get better. Just give it some time. Mm-hmm. Just maybe, maybe, maybe. And we had made it this far. And, and, and so it was just so hard to be like, do you just concede defeat? You know, no, there's a lot of different emotions. And I just remember there was this tension that was just everywhere in our family. And I would take the kids to the beach and I just couldn't feel anything. I couldn't enjoy the beauty. I mean, here we had achieved this major goal. I had always wanted to live by the beach and I just felt sad and numb. We tried so hard to replicate and create our old life, which we had considered to be the, the gold standard of fun. Because and it happiness was the gold standard of fun. That's why. Because yeah. it was. But we can never quite make it happen. Yeah. And it was definitely not for lack of trying. I mean, we wanted to be happy. We wanted this to work and be amazing. We just couldn't swing it. For We could never put our finger on why it wouldn't happen. So a turning point for me was when we finally admitted that it wasn't working. That our life in the Northwest was not what we had expected and we were unhappy. Yeah, that was a big turning point for me too. And I think that was when we were actually able to grieve. Once we stopped pushing for this phantom normal. And we were able to finally just sit down and be like, this sucks. I miss our old life. It was incredibly freeing. Um Maybe we were just going through a repeated loop of denial and bargaining (laughs) all those years and not moving on to the other phases. (laughs) Stubbornness is in there too somewhere. Yeah, probably. Actually, now that you mention it, I think that's probably what we were doing. And if we had just been willing to admit that moving, no matter the happy circumstances or dream achieving that involves, you know, it involves a grieving process. And I feel like we could have weathered that storm a little easier. Right. Had yeah. we just known that you're going to feel this way and it's okay. Right. Loss of normalcy is a loss, you know, and, and you will grieve it. Um, and grief isn't the only, you know, isn't only for the catastrophic type of things. Sometimes it can be for the, the mundane things as well. Yeah, that's so true. So here we are. We accepted our state. I think so. Um, we talked a lot over the last year. Uh, I got a new job, by the way. Yay! It is better and less stressful. And uh, I think we're all a lot happier. We are. We are. And we admitted that our current location just isn't for us. And we're okay with that. The failure, I think, I mean, you can tell me if you disagree. I speak for myself here, was refusing to face our grief. Um, and, and not in that, like we preferred a different location. Like, I feel like the failure was just because we couldn't face it and deal with it. But our society has us so conditioned to assume that every dream achieved or level up or positive thing, you know, is amazing when in truth it might not be a good fit. That's okay. But I think sticking your head in the sand over it is the real failure. Yeah, I agree. I think we just we just kept trying to push forward and make the new normal 
happier. Mm-hmm. And we kept settling for things that were less than what we were used to as being normal. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So I think you hit the nail on the head there where we just, we just didn't face it and say, this is not right. Yeah. Um, it's like, look, you, you know, it, you fail quickly so that you can move on to the next thing. I hear that yes. a lot in the business I talk to. Yeah. If you're going to do something, don't keep trying to, um, you know, make something successful if it's doomed to fail in the first place and spend a lot of time wasting your time trying to make something work that just isn't going to. That's exactly what work. happened. That's exactly what happened to us. Right. Yeah. And, and yes, you know, you'll be like, all that work was for nothing, right? Which will suck, but it's worse to pretend that you're happy. Yeah. And no, no, by the way, we did not just up and sell our house and move to a new place. As soon as we came to this realization, we still have our house in Washington. We will probably have it for a bit longer. (laughs) But really, we are a lot happier being on the same page about it and being honest with ourselves about it. Right. Exactly. And we're not advocating, you know, just bailing if you're unhappy. No. Oh, gosh, no. I think we are saying that. I hate it. Eat, pray, love. (laughs) Hated it. Yeah. You can unfollow me. I don't care. Don't follow me if you love that book. (laughs) I think we were saying that don't feel pressure to bend to what society tells you, um, you know, uh, your reaction to certain circumstances needs to be. You know, it's Mm -hmm. okay to be sad. A loss of normalcy will trigger a round of grief. And whether or not you're happy in Paris or miserable in Hawaii, the grief will still be there. It will still be there. And it's okay. And you've got to move through the phases. And I think honoring your loss, even with a simple acknowledgement, truly goes a long, long way. Yeah. So you've got a cathart. <laughs> you do. <laughs> I will never not laugh at that term. Cathart all over the place. Smile. You can't say cathart I without know, you smiling. Really can't. You really can't. <laughs> cathart all over the place. Uh, that emotional re- release is so important. And, you know, I think one of the ways that I would cathart is I would go for long walks in our neighborhood and process just how many crazy twists and turns you know, that the last few years had involved. And I would go to the beach and throw rocks into the water and try to forgive the doctor who botched my knee and the landlord who gave me migraines over and over. I mean, it was a process. Yeah. And I cathartic all over the building projects. <laughs> Sorry, I can't <laughs> not chuckle all over the building projects in the in the streets of Tel Aviv, you know, just coming to terms with our new normal, mm-hmm. the, the good and the bad. Yeah. And, and it comes in a lot of different forms, catharting, just like you doing, you know, me going for walks, you doing building projects or, you know, hanging out in a new location. Like it, it, mm. there's not a one size fits all, you know, and it sometimes does just catch you unawares too. Yep. And talking about it helps. Mm. Sometimes you need someone just to say things to. And even just starting new rituals and making happy memories helps as well. Yes, Totally. The happy memories. And I think looking back on that previous season that was lost and remembering the happy things and just saying like, yes, that was beautiful, but this is now. And how can I make this beautiful? For me, it's little things like expensive candles. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like lighting money on fire. Literally. I will not <laughs> feel shame about the candles. So don't even try. Move the on. Candle. Why does it cost so much? <laughs> because it's amazing. That's why. It's a cathart. Oh, man. Don't knock the cathart. 
Or you can turn to TV shows, right? I know it sounds lame, but how much comfort have we drawn from watching The Office? It is true. I mean, it's also lame. We do read, I promise. But this ritual of the two of us at the end of the day watching a show that makes us laugh. Yeah, and has made us laugh for 10 years or more. Yes, with a good drink and our comfy bed. I mean, it literally helps to just create that feeling that all is not lost and that there are still good things in life and there's still cool things in life. Travel was also a good cathart for us as well. Yes, we needed a win so badly. I mean, after we had gone to Europe with our best friends, I mean, I was still a mess after the surgery. We lost our bags. Oliver had strep. I mean, we needed a real win in terms of a trip that just allowed us to be at peace. Yep. And that trip's trip was to Noxos. I cried when we left Noxos. That place was so beautiful and just so happy and warm. And it was the closest I had felt to my dear, sweet, 30-year-old self prior to leaving our home in, in the Awatuki foothills. Like, I think like, knowing... Hello there. You're still there. <laughs> yeah. I, I think knowing that side of ourselves wasn't uh, that it wasn't totally gone was nice. It was because I liked that version of myself. So knowing that we are still capable of that version of ourselves again, I mean, that part was nice to know. And even, even though I had grieved that part of me being gone, it was nice to know it wasn't also completely faded away. So exactly. I think it has grown us as people yeah. Okay. You know, can you imagine how arrogant and bratty we would be if we had just stayed in that perfect, easy life? Oh, yeah. We would be the worst. I mean, we would be fun and we would have good cocktail oh, sure. recipes. Yeah. But we would lack about a thousand miles of empathy and perspective if that hadn't happened to us. And if empathy and perspective could be measured in miles, it would definitely be a thousand. It would definitely be a thousand. <laughs> it absolutely would. And I, and I do think it made us better people. I mean, we're a little bitter and grumpy, sure. but I also think that adds to our life. And that is just part of living, you know, Yeah. a little bitter, a little grumpy and a lot of empathy, grace and perspective. That is probably the best possible outcome we could hope for. Right. You're you're actually very right. And catharting. Got to cathart too. (laughs) Got to work (laughs) that word in every day at least once, I think. I know, like cinema (laughs) sins. We need to have like a a counter for how many times we said it on this (laughs) podcast. So do you think we ever went through the anxiety or finding meeting phase of grief? That sixth phase. Who are you talking to? Anxiety. Totally. <laughs> totally. I went through a massive anxiety known better. after we moved. And finding meaning? I don't know. Did we ever find meaning to that experience? I think we're still yet to find it, you know. Yeah. So right now, no. No. Not really. I mean... We don't look at our time in the Pacific Northwest as wasted time. Um, We aren't bitter about it. We can find the good. We've made friends and developed relationships. I mean, heck, we started this podcast probably as a cathart move as well. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. We did. And we've been able to do some very cool things as a result of living in that particular location. And that is positive. But it isn't a reason to stay if we're not happy. And since we have the option of leaving, because we're not tied to any particular region, we're okay with taking advantage of that possibility. Yeah. Uh, And we weren't capable of any of this kind of thinking prior to really facing our grief and dealing with it. Oh, no. 
that had to happen. Oh no, first. we were just these wound up confused people. And and I think that really the beauty of looking at your grief as something there's beauty in in looking at your grief as something worthy of your attention. You need to address it. Absolutely. Um, when you leave it as this thing that is only reserved for funerals, your body knows something that your mind doesn't, and it just creates. Nobody's happy. Obviously, there are levels to grief, just like there are sadness, happiness, and joy. Yeah, and I would say that you can process through these things with just simple daily acknowledgement. Don't feel bad about it or some weird guilt. You don't need that. Just feel and work through your emotions. Yeah, and obviously get real help when you need it. Yes. We are just taking or talking, sorry, about normal ranges of emotions here. Yeah, and it's it's hard when society is telling you what to feel. You know, when there are hashtags and argumentative chuckle nuts online who just have an axe to grind. So, you know, I get that that's hard to have that conflicting information. Right. But grieve. Like, do it. Yes. Honor that loss. Accept that you will, you know, accept that you will work through those phases and learn. Yes. And and I we realize that sounds so corny, but I mean, we've learned a lot over the years. And while I wouldn't say like I would go through that all over again, I wouldn't say that I would give anything to go back to being that breezy girl, but I can't. So I get to be mildly and bitter and a little bit wiser. Yep. Which is part of growing up. I suppose. Yeah. So. So, cathart. Cathart. <laughs> there you go. Well, folks, that's going to do it for us. Sorry if this was a downer, um, but we know everyone is going through something similar. So we hope that this helped you feel less alone. Yeah, we really, we hope you did. Sorry if, sorry if we catharted all over you. <laughs> um, please click download, like, and subscribe and do all the things that tells the internet that you like our stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And check out our website at www.clusterfusstravel.com and follow our social media accounts on Facebook and Instagram. And even though those ghosting hipsters want to cathart with us over a stiff gin and tonic whenever they go. hear us say it, this is the Clustercast, a filterless podcast on family travel. So long, everyone. Bye. Bye.